sponsored by the National Retail Federation. Uh, this has been an incredible experience. The people have been, this is the third time we've won, but this is the biggest win. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It is Tuesday, January 16th, and there is Literally only one thing driving the day today, y'all, after months of prognostication, guessing, reporting, calls, campaigns yelling at us for not saying one more percent in a poll was real momentum. The kickoff to the 2024 presidential election happened last night, just minutes after the Iowa caucuses began. Donald Trump was named the winner in a historic victory. Absolutely no surprise to you, no surprise to us. We are recording this just before midnight on Monday night. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, is in second place. Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and United Nations ambassador, in third. And Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out, endorsed Donald Trump, and said he's going to be at an event this week with Donald Trump in New Hampshire. So lots of news to dig through. And joining me now from Iowa, from her hotel, to talk about what we saw, what she saw on the ground, is my girl, Playbook co-author, Rachel Bade. Hey, Rachel. Hey, good morning. Good night. Good morning. Whatever it is. How's that Oh, cold? yeah. I apologize to my <laughs> listeners. I am sick as a dog. Thanks to the Iowa weather, but I'm here. <laughs> we are very, very happy. First of all, this was the first time you saw a caucus in real life. So tell the people what you saw it and, and what you think of it after your first one. You know, Eugene, I actually thought it was really cool. No, oh, Lord. People, <laughs> a convert. A lot of people think it's weird, but like, I mean, I went to this former school that had been sort of transitioned or, or renovated into like a church. And it honestly felt like a weird like political church where people got up to speak, their neighbors would make comments at them while they were speaking. And then everybody at the end got up like they were going to get communion in the front and just like dropped in their little secret ballots and how they were voting. And I don't know, it was it was interesting. But the most interesting thing, I guess, was that when I was there, we sort of got a tip from the Haley folks that she was going to be showing up. It was a suburban area, a place that she's supposed to do very well in sort of between West Des Moines and Des Moines. And so I went to this place. I'm standing at the door. I'm interviewing voters. And by the way, I interviewed as many Trump voters as Haley voters. And this is supposed to be a Haley yeah. <laughs> area, which is your number one signal. Mm -hmm. In walks Don Jr. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are so sure of themselves that he's showing up in a suburban area where Trump, you know, typically doesn't do well to troll Haley on her turf. Haley ended up speaking. So did Don Jr. He sat in the crowd with the people, like talked to them. Haley was sort of backstage. She came out, made a very quick speech and then left. And then when she left, Don Jr. got up and just trashed her for not being of the people and like, you know, being very practiced and behind the scenes instead of being in the aisle like he was. And so, you know, it was an interesting, like, I don't think that normally happens. I mean, how many caucus sites are there? Uh, more than a thousand, right? And I just happened to be at one where, you know, these two people were there. But it was really interesting, Eugene. Really interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, let's start digging into some of the results and kind of 
think about what they tell us about the future, right? Starting at the top here with um, former President Trump, obviously not surprised about the outcome. Also not really surprised that he could get over 50%. But we finally have some results to point to when describing kind of his death grip on the party. And so I'm curious, how do you think about this when we know he lost in 2016 in Iowa, but his numbers this time around in a lot of places where he shouldn't have done that well, completely flipped over. Places that went for Ted Cruz, where he even maybe got third in Iowa in 2016, where he, you know, he is slated to take that county. So I guess talk about how Iowa really shows that transition from the 2016 Republican Party to kind of this clearly, clearly no more questions about it. Trump party of the GOP. Yeah, I can't claim credit for this, but I was sitting next to John Allen at MSNBC at Ron DeSantis's watch party, and he <laughs> says, Ron DeSantis visited all 99 counties. Trump is about to win almost all 99 counties yeah. without having visited even a fraction of what DeSantis did. Look, I don't think it could have, I don't think it could have gone better. For Trump. I mean, he was able to stay above that 50% threshold that everybody was watching. His opponents don't have a chance to say, look, you know, he, a majority of voters voted against him. Therefore, you know, he's going down. Ron DeSantis is giving no indication he's dropping out because he came in second. He right. feels happy about that. It was like, like a total, uh, party, rock and roll party. His people were super happy, super jazzed tonight, which I want to talk about more in a second. But yeah, just to make yeah. the point, Haley's best shot was basically to try to edge him out in Iowa, get him to drop out, come in first in New Hampshire, and then try to consolidate the anti-Trump vote behind her and get momentum. Instead, Trump was super victorious tonight. Haley and DeSantis are still going to be, you know, in a pissing match <laughs> for the coming <laughs> weeks, which means that just helps Donald Trump stay above all of the fray. And then, like, of course, Vivek tonight dropping out. We know his voters are people who love Trump. If he's not there, they're going to go to Trump. So that just helps Trump even more. It just, for me, it just was um, sort of a crystallizing moment, I think, being here on the ground. I know I've heard people say they've sort of pinpointed different moments in this primary where they said to themselves, okay, Trump's going to get the nomination. Chris Christie said for him, it was when the debaters during one of the early debates said, will you support Trump if he's a convicted felon? And almost all of them raised their hand. That was Christie's moment. For me, it really kind of felt like that moment was tonight when I was standing listening to Ron DeSantis at his after party thing. You know, they're playing that rock and roll song Thunder. They're playing Eye of the Tiger. They're cheering. They think they're doing so well. But it almost feels like they live on a different planet. Yeah, because he's a distant second. It's not like it's a few points in between him and Trump. As we're looking at it and, you know, we don't have the final, final results, but there's, you know, 25 to 30 points in between him and Donald Trump. So, like... You were there at the party, right? Iowa is where DeSantis was kind of banking it all, right? He talked about basically moving his political operation there. Just last month, he was on television saying he was going to win in Iowa. He's getting spanked in New Hampshire in the polls. So I guess talk about kind of what it means for him to get this distant, distant second in Iowa today. New Hampshire, not a great state for him. Yeah, no. I mean, if he's not going to do well here, 
the question is, where is he going to do well? He, with all the resources you mentioned, um, never back down his super PAC, knocking like almost a million doors, getting the endorsement of Iowa leaders uh, from, um, you know, basically the Iowa governor, Kim, Kim Reynolds, uh, Bob Vanderplatz, the evangelical leader, um, and then still being so far behind Trump, like despite all that time and energy being invested here, like if he can't win here where there's a lot of evangelicals, which typically he does well with evangelicals, if those guys are still turning out to Trump, he doesn't have a shot in New Hampshire. And if you look at the polling in South Carolina, like he's still way behind Trump there. And the further we go into this primary, the more like you're getting away from all the, you know, the the past nine, 10 months of work he has invested in Iowa, he won't have invested a fraction of that in all these other states that are going to be voting. That's why I think that moment of just like looking at them celebrating, but then knowing sort of the facts and reality of what's going on, is kind of, it's just really bizarro almost. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not looking good for him. Because they're living in a completely different world. I mean, this yeah. is politics. Yeah, I mean, Who knows? I mean, everybody yes, says like, yes. you know, Trump's legal issues, like if he's convicted, will that change everything? Well, as I mentioned earlier, all the candidates said they'd vote for him uh, who are on the stage for the debate, even if he's a convicted felon. So how do those people think that this is all going to change when they themselves were on stage saying they would back Trump if he's the nominee, even if he's convicted? How do they think this is going to go differently all of a sudden if he's convicted when they themselves were saying they'd back him? Anyway. Yeah. And on to Nikki Haley, the third here. The electorate in Iowa, largely evangelical, is also the electorate that's facing her in most of the states with kind of big delegate numbers, also in her home state of South Carolina. New Hampshire looks really good for her. I guess talk about how her campaign is feeling. You know, today when she was on stage, she said something along the lines of um, Iowa made clear that it's a two-person race, which not really (laughs) at all. That's not what happened at all. But I guess talk about all of that and, and how her campaign is feeling right now. Yeah, I mean, they've definitely tried to tamp down expectations around Iowa. I mean, she's seen this like bump in the polls recently, especially in New Hampshire. Um, and we sort of started to see it materialize here in Iowa. But her, her people, her allies kept trying to say, you know, we're not expecting second. Like, this is still not our territory. And and to be sure, they didn't have a lot of staff on the ground. For a long time, they only had like one staffer here. But at the same time, she got this sort of late infusion of money from donors and her super PAC was able to spend more money than any other campaign here in Iowa. So it's not like she didn't try here. She invested a lot of money here. So the fact that she invested more money than DeSantis, more money than Trump, and still, you know, is coming into third place, that's not a good sign for her. Her people are trying to sort of say, look, the reset is in New Hampshire. Their hope, of course, was that DeSantis would do so poorly tonight that he would drop out. They have been telling folks for a long time that they think they're going to pick up a number of DeSantis supporters, that his supporters will not just go to Trump, but that they would actually go to Haley. And so the the thinking was if DeSantis drops out, she goes to New Hampshire, she could potentially beat Trump in New Hampshire. Yeah, and which complicates it all for all of them gives us more drama to cover. But at the end of the day, it still continues to look like this is Donald Trump's nomination to lose. But hey, 
we want to caveat that with, this is politics, baby, and anything can happen. Rachel, get home. Please get back to D.C. where it's also snowing. And thank you for joining. Of course. Thanks again. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are in. Look at them doing their jobs. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening.